0: You join me in your Bibles at 1 Kings in chapter 19, page 255, I believe, in your Pew Bible. By way of context, 1 Kings chapter 19 is about 900 years after the deaths of King David and King Solomon. The Israelite kingdom has split in the northern and southern kingdom. And at this point, they'd both gone off into apostasy. Ahab was king in the northern kingdom, and wife was Jezebel. And we remember maybe from chapter 18 that at this point, Elijah had just defeated the 400 prophets of Baal. And he was looking proud for a great national revival at that point. They'd all been slain. He was looking for the administration, you might say, of the kingdom to change. But we'll see in chapter 19 how that he was disappointed. Let's stand together. We'll honor the reading of God's Word. Chapter 19, verse 1. Now Ahab told Jezebel everything that Elijah had done and how he killed all the prophets with a sword. So Jezebel sent a messenger to Elijah to say, May the gods deal with me, be it ever so severely, if by this time tomorrow I do not make your life like one of them. Elijah was afraid, and he ran for his life. When he came to Beersheba in Judah, he left his servant there while he himself went a day's journey into the desert. He came to a broom tree, sat down under it, and prayed that he might die. I have had enough, Lord, he said. Take my wife. I'll know better than my ancestors. Then he laid down under the tree and fell asleep. All at once, an angel touched him and said, get up and eat. He looked around, and there by his head was a cake of bread baked over hot coals and a jar of water. He ate and drank and then laid down again. The angel of the Lord came back a second time and touched him and said, get up and eat, for the journey is too much for you. So he got up and ate and drank, strengthened by that food, he traveled 40 days and nights until he reached Horeb, we would say Mount Sinai, he traveled all the way from Mount Carmel in northern Israel, all the way through that kingdom, all the way through the southern kingdom of Judah, all the way through the Arabian Peninsula down to the very end to Mount Sinai. He got to Horeb, the mountain of God. There he went into a cave and spent the night. And the word of the Lord came to him. What are you doing here, Elijah? He replied, I've been very zealous for the Lord God Almighty. The Israelites have rejected your covenant, broken down your pillars, and put your prophets to death with the sword. I'm the only one left, and now they're trying to kill me. The Lord said, Go out and stand on the mountain in the presence of the Lord, for the Lord is about to pass by. Then a great and powerful wind tore through the mountains apart and shattered the rocks before the Lord, but the Lord was not in the wind. And after the wind there was a great earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake came a fire. But the Lord was not in the fire, and after the fire came a gentle whisper. When Elijah heard it, he pulled his cloak over his face and went out and stood at the mouth of the cave. Then a voice said to him, What are you doing here, Elijah? You remember, God had just asked him that question. He asked him the same question over again, and he's would hear the same response from Elijah. You would always pay attention when God repeats something that close together. He replied, I've been very zealous for the Lord God Almighty. The Israelites have rejected your covenant, broken down your altars, and put your prophets to death with the sword. I am the only one left, and now they are trying to kill me too. You'll notice in 14... Elijah focuses on himself. I've done this. I'm in this predicament. The Lord said to him, go back the way that you came and go down to the desert of Damascus and when you get there, anoint Ahaziel over Aram. Also anoint Jehu, son of Nimshi, king over Israel and anoint Elisha, son of Japheth from Abel-Meholah to succeed you as prophet. Jehu will put to death any who escape the sword of Ahaziel, and Elisha will put to death any who escape the sword of Jehu. Yet I have reserved 7,000 in Israel, all whose knees have not bowed down to Baal, and all whose mouths have not kissed him. So Elisha went from there and found Elisha, son of Japheth, and he was plowing the 12 yoke of oxen, and he himself was driving the 12th pair. Elijah went up to him and threw his cloak around. 1 Kings chapter 19, verse 4, Elijah is quoted saying, Lord, I've had enough. A couple of years ago, right after the peak of the COVID epidemic, I thought that I had escaped all of it. I've been in churches everywhere, around all kinds of people for months, never had any positive tests with it or anything like that, and was at a Bible conference in Fort Myers, Florida, and got sick there. Began to show those symptoms, so instead of staying for the rest of the speaking in the conference, I started home. You know where Fort Myers, Florida is? Almost Key West, it seems like drove all the way back from Fort Myers to Jacksonville, Texas with about a hundred or two or three temperature. By the time I got home, went into the hospital a day or so after that, then after two or three days in the hospital of deterioration, they would given me so many different things, so many different drugs, steroids, and without number, we would say in the Bible. And when that happened, my blood sugar started to spike through the roof. Wasn't a diabetic, but they had to start giving me insulin shots four times a day. And after a while, being semi lucid at times and not at others, one morning I distinctly remember being half awake and hearing the doctors and the nurses out in the hall discussing my predicament with them. They said, We need to put him all on the ventilator. But he has signed an order that we cannot do that. And his family knows it, and they won't override it in any way. So what are we going to do? And I remember listening to that and thinking to myself, and being high fever and all those crazy things that go along with that, thinking to myself, Lord, I've had enough. I'm ready to go. Oftentimes, we get in all different kinds of circumstances and we get into situations and we say to ourselves, God, I've had enough. Sometimes it might be, most often in family situations, I see where it's oftentimes very, very difficult marital situations, problems. Don't seem to be able to get them resolved. And people say, I just, I just can't do it anymore. Sometimes we have all kinds of, plans we make in life about business or education and careers, and things just don't happen the way we think they're supposed to happen. We say, Lord, I don't know if I want to go on with this or not. If you're old enough to have raised children, maybe even to the point of having grandchildren and see rebellious Teenagers have to deal with it every day. Seems like there's no way you can possibly extricate your family from it. Over and over again, continual strife. And you can say to yourself, Lord, I, I just want to give up. I've had enough. The disappointments, the pain, it's just more than I can bear prophet Elijah found himself in somewhat similar circumstances we would think that he had preached mightily in his country and to his king and queen and had great show of God's force and all those prophets of Baal were killed and God came down and show of force and Consumed the offering on the altar with fire. If anything ought to have worked in that kingdom to bring about revival, it should have been that. But what do we see? The leaders in the country, the king and the queen, it hardens them. Look at what it says again in verse 19. Now Ahab told Jezebel everything Elijah had done. And how he had killed all the prophets with a sword. So Jezebel sent a messenger to Elijah and said to him, you're going to die. The day is not going to pass without making me, you, like one of those guys you killed. One of my priests, you're going to end up just like them. What happened? Verse 3. And Elijah was afraid. And he panicked. And he ran for his life you ever felt like running for your life? Running to get away from the circumstances that God's providence has put you into? It happens to everybody sooner or later. But then we began to see the response. That's the tension that's building in the story. He's run away. He's panicking. He's run for his life. He's given up. But what is the story... How does it strengthen or how does it raise the tension? Verse 5, again at the end, falling down to sleep, and all at once an angel touched him and said, Get up and eat. He looked around, and there by his head was a cake of bread baked on hot coals and a jar of water, and he ate and drank and lay down again. Then a second time, the angel Lord came back a second time and touched him and said, Get up. And eat for the journey is too much for you. Let me assure you this in those circumstances, all different kinds of categories of tragedies and heartache that come into our lives day by day, let me assure you this it is too much for you. We are bombarded by the world, the flesh, and the devil. Our own flesh is too weak. Mentally, we give in to the terrors. Our emotions are too weak. We get led the other way too quickly. The world and all its systems and all the things that bombard us from the aspect of worldview hold us down and retard our growth in Christ. And on top of those two things, not just our flesh and the world around us, Satan himself and all his minions. Are attacking us every single day at every opportunity and I know that I am not strong enough to always stand against my flesh I cannot always stand up to the things the world throws at me and certainly I know that Satan is more powerful he is more intelligent has more resources than I have physically And in those circumstances, I guarantee you, when these things come into my life and they come into your life, it's too much. You can't defeat it. It will overcome. You will want to give up. But the Bible tells us the good news is this. Paul himself said, The Lord had given him a thorn in the side. He said, Lord, I asked three times for you to take it away. Turmoil, the heartache in your life. Have you asked God more than one time to take it away? If you say, God, I'm about to give up, I don't think I can take it anymore. It's too much for me. God, just take it away. We had a man about 15 years ago, lived on Lake Tyler, just through the woods there, you might say, maybe 10 miles at the most. Had a large business here in Tyler, a subsidiary in Houston and one in Dallas, had 900 to 1,000 employees. Now I want you to think about this. This is the kind of guy he is. Early 40s, well-educated graduate degrees, managed billion-dollar projects, had to deal with national governments around the world, giant building projects. He's coming back from the office in Houston to his home about 9 o'clock at night, comes over the hill about a mile from his house, Police are there in the road, have blocked fire trucks all around, and being a good citizen, he says, well, I'll get up. Nobody else was there, so I'll get up. I'll help, volunteer. So he got up, and there's a, out of his car, and there's a car. He started down where they were. There was a car down in the ditch, and walked down there, and he thought as he approached the car, got it in view close by, he thought, it looks like my son's car and got to the car and looked in, and there was his 17-year-old son, dead, in the car. An hour or two later, they called me to his house and in the master bedroom, he was telling me all this and he sat down on the edge of his bed again, six feet tall, man among men, powerful person sat down on the edge of his bed and just fell back on the bed. He said, I cannot bear it. Things will happen in life and we can't bear it. And when Paul said, I asked God to take it away. He said, God told me, my grace Is sufficient. My strength is made perfect in your weakness. We cannot know the strength and the power and the fullness of God's grace till we get to the bottom of our resources. And where we are weak, that's when His grace, His strength, reaches its zenith power. So when you think, I can't bear it, Jesus can bear it, if you know it. God strengthened him, gave him food, he went on for another 40 days. And then in verse 9, The angel of the Lord appeared to ask him this question after he strengthened him, raised him up. He said, what are you doing here? I left you to minister in northern Israel, Mount Carmel, above the Mediterranean Sea. And now, you've gone all through both those countries. You've gone all the way down almost to the Red Sea, down in the peninsula, down to Mount Sinai. what are you doing Here? Why did you come this far? Story goes on, and maybe we come to the climax of the whole story. This man that had run away from the presence of God, ran away from his service to God, gave up on life, gave up on God's strength. And then a great and powerful wind tore through the mountains. The angel told him, go out stand stand in front of this cave and see God go by. And there's a great and powerful wind that tore through the mountains. It shattered the rocks before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind. And then after the wind, there was an earthquake. But the Lord was not in the earthquake. Verse 12. And after the earthquake came a fire. Maybe an electrical kind of a fire storm. And after the fire came, you know the answer? NIV is a gentle whisper. Been in church all your life, or most of your life, you know, that older English versions say that there was a smith, still, small voice. And Elijah heard it, and he pulled the cloak, his cloak up over his face, over his head, and went out and stood, usually, Or most of the time, my experience in seeing Christian people when they get into these circumstances where it just reaches down and nearly tears out their heart, breaks their heart. I can't stand to live like this. I can't stand these circumstances. I can't stand the disappointment. I can't stand to see my loved ones suffering. God, I need to see a miracle. God, I need you to just take over these things and just turn these people backwards and upside down and make them correct. I'm the one that's right. I'm the one that ought to be being blessed. And now I'm suffering because of these people around me and these circumstances around me. God, just work a miracle. I can't change them. God, reach into their heart and their mind and just turn the switch on. Make it better. Make these circumstances go away by some miraculous feat, and I want it done. I need it now, or I'm going to break. Lord, let me see something, clouds in the sky. Let me see a vision or something. Let me have a dream. Let me hear somebody bring a prophecy to me from church that God told them about me. God, I need you to do something miraculous. I need something concrete. Right now. And what did he get? He got just the whisper of God's voice. When we get into these same or similar circumstances today, oftentimes what do we do? We look for the same kind of things. We're tempted to look for these strange and mysterious, unexplainable signs. We want some kind of charismatic experience. And all the while, God is saying, listen to the still, small voice. Listen to what the Lord says in your heart in response to the ministry of the word and prayer, and listen to God. Don't look for some crazy sign. Don't try to get some information from medium somewhere, some crazy TV preacher. Listen, be in prayer, and listen to the word as it's read. Listen to the word as it's preached, and just listen. The Westminster Confession tells us about the sufficiency of the scripture. And that all those past ways of prophets, all those past ways of words, knowledge, and all those kind of things, and the prophecies and the visions, says so it's all done away with the closing of God's word. And the assurance comes today when the Spirit of God bears witness with our spirit under the ministry of the Word. Will you listen to God's word today? When he says, "My grace is sufficient." no matter how bad the circumstance is in your life. What are you doing here? Verse 13. And he replied, verse 14, I have been very zealous, Lord, for the Lord God Almighty. The Israelites have rejected your covenant, broken down your altars, And put your prophets to death with the sword. I am the only one left. See a problem there in that response to God? It's not God, show me the way. God, let me hear. God, speak to my spirit. Let me obey that still small voice in my heart. What did he do? He drew the focus to himself. I have been very zealous. Lord, I've been very obedient. I've been very this. I've been greatly in prayer. I've been tithing at my church. I've been regular in attendance. And God, these things shouldn't be happening to me. All these other people, all those other Israelites, they have rejected your covenant. They've turned away from you. They're not as excited about you as I am. They're not as faithful about you to your service as I am. I am the only one left trying to do the right thing. Ever felt that way? What we need to remember is, as God reminded Elijah down in verse 19, Elijah, you're not the only one. I have 7,000 others in Israel not just in the both kingdoms, just in the northern kingdom. I have 7,000 others that have not given in to the world, the flesh and the devil. And besides that, I've listened to you say I did this, I've done that enough. It's not about us, it's not about I it's about jesus jesus said i am the way the truth and the life and no one comes to the father except by me no one gets through this life without my help i am the alpha and the omega i am the beginning and the end i'm the point of the whole thing it's not you i am the bread of life jesus said i will nourish you i will take care of you I will get you through all of these circumstances that i allow you to get into through my providence. I am the door. I'm the door into the kingdom. I am the door that goes through all the vicissitudes of life and all the heartaches, all the uncertainty. I am the door that takes you through. I am the good shepherd that leads you all the way I am the resurrection and life. I'm the only one that gives life. you worried about the covenant being broken? Yeah, they all broke the covenant. We all break covenant with Christ. But Jesus has never broken the covenant. The eternal covenant of redemption where God gave to Christ an elect people. Christ, in his covenant, redeemed those people, redeemed us. The Holy Spirit brings us into communion with the Son and the Father in covenant. We may break the covenant, but God, Jesus Christ, who lives forever to make intercession for the saints, he never, ever has broken the covenant, and he lives forever to make intercession for the saints, and he will never break the covenant. It's about Jesus and all these trials and all these tribulations all the heartaches all the disappointments Jesus says I will build my church and the gates of death will not prevail against it. You're being drugged down by the things and the troubles of life and you want to give up? What do I do? Where do I turn? I turn to the door. I turn to the good shepherd. He says, come unto me. All you that labor are heavy laden. You need rest? Jesus says, I will give you rest. As you lean on me completely and not on your works... Not on your efforts, not on your intellect, not on your motions. You just lean on me and the eternal covenant that I've been united with you through Christ, united to God for all of eternity. He's the only one. Then the Lord said to him, Go back the way that you can. Verse 15. Well, what do I do? God started to bring me through these trials, through these tribulations. I believe in the promises of God. I believe in Christ. I'm in union with Him. I've given my life to Christ. Done my best to turn away things of the world, but here I am. I've drug been allowed to drug myself away from fellowship and Gotten into the depths of despair. What do I do? I believe that he is. The way. He's the truth. And I believe he's the eternal. Mediator between God and man. And I'm in union with him. God said to him. Go back. The way. That you came. Go back where I had you to start with. Go back. Back. And do these things that i told you to do. Go back. You're in Elijah's position. You're a child of God. Go back. Go back and remember when he changed your heart. Gave you a new heart. Gave you a new life. When you couldn't give it to yourself. When you were under all the despair and all the weight and guilt of all your sin you couldn't correct, that he changed your life and gave you peace, go back there. Go back. When you saw he gave you a place of leadership in your family, it's gotten rough, go back. Pick it up again. He gave you a place to serve in this church. Gave you a place to serve in your community, to show Christ to the rest of the world living around you. And you've gotten into this valley of despair. Go back. Jesus said, I am the shepherd. Follow me back to where you began. Remember when I changed your life. Remember your baptism, when you were marked with the mark. Of the covenant of eternal life and redemption. Remember what it means to be marked and the blessing to be set aside from the world by baptism. Remember the last time you came back to the Lord's table, come back to the end and remember what it was like to reconfess your, confess your sins all over again And reach back and renew that covenant with Christ to be nourished at the Lord's table. Go back there. Go back. Have you gone back there lately? Feel like you're in the valley again of despair? And you don't want to go on? Go back there. It's all about Christ. It's not about you. But then he gave him something else. Verse 19. So Elijah went from there. And he found Elisha, son of Japheth. God had told him, you leave here, you go back, where I brought you where you came from. And there's these three men that I want you to lay hands on. I want you to anoint them. And one of them was a man that was going to take his place. He was the next generation of preachers, you might say, in that day. Elisha said, so you go, and you anoint him. And he went to him, and he threw his cloak around him. Ladies, one thing you need to do today, you know the Lord, you need to take your cloak and throw it around a young lady somewhere in this church. Maybe even in your family. You throw it, and you pass your Christian faith, and you pass the blessing to the Lord and your experiences. You pass it, give it to her. Men, you have a son, a grandson, maybe a young man in this church that leans on you for support and advice at times. You've got to go back. He's still back there. You've got to go back and throw that cloak upon him. Make sure you pass your faith to the next generation of young men that are going to be husbands and fathers. One day we will have to leave this earth. But we can't leave now. It may seem like it's too much. It may seem at times like we cannot go on. But we can go on because God, because Christ, will support us. Because he will give us the strength. Again, his strength is made perfect in weakness. We have to go back. We cannot leave, men, until... We yell till we pass our faith and our practice to the next generation of young men. Pass the covenant to the generations so that they can pass it to the next generation. So God's people, not just us, but generations to come, when they reach The point where they say it's too hard, I can't go on, they too will have the testimony that Jesus is enough. He is the way. He's the way through all the trials and the heartaches and disappointments of life. He is the truth. The world, false religions, they're false, obviously. That's not going to get them through. On the way, the truth, and the life. And for them, they'll never see eternal life. They'll never see the face of God, unless we pass it to the next generation. It's too much. But God is enough. Christ is enough if you know him. Let's bow together for just a moment. Father, we pray that for those that might be here today that are facing some circumstances, seem totally out of our control and out of their control. And they're near the breaking point. Father, we pray that you reveal yourself to them by your grace and your word. Show them that Christ is enough. Father, for those that have been through these circumstances are now on the other side, they've gone back Father, we thank you for your grace. Hear our prayers as we glorify you and your power and your wisdom and your grace. We thank you for Christ and the eternal covenant that will never be lost from your hand. Father, help us to be thankful today. And thankful as we go from here and bear testimony to your power and your love and your mercy we ask it in jesus name amen